Welcome to The Athlete and the NARP. I'm Jenna Daly, and I'm the athlete. And I'm Claire Fenton, and I'm the NARP. And if you don't know what a NARP is, then you're one too. Welcome to the sixth episode of The Athlete and the NARP. This week, we're going to be going through a list of some of the female athletes that inspired us a lot when we were younger and still do today. So we're going to kind of treat this as just a back and forth style. We each have a list of athletes that inspired us, three each, and we're just going to go back and forth, talk about why they inspired us and each comment on the others, because I think there's been a good bit of overlap in the ones that we've chosen and we can each speak about them. This is a little different than our typical episodes, and this was going to be our fun Friday topic last time, but right before we started, we kind of realized that there was a lot to say about all of the athletes that we're about to talk about, and I think it's important to have a whole episode dedicated to this because role models are really important, especially in sports, and so to have and have them be role models when I was younger and even now... Just having representation is really important no matter what it is. So I think that it's a good idea to highlight these people. I don't think I realized how much these various women meant to me when I was little, but kind of looking back on it now, their impact has been really, really big in my life, even though I didn't often play the sports that these women played, just the level of success that they showed and the way they were able to dominate on like a big stage was really impactful for me. And again, I didn't realize that as much when I was little, but I think looking back on it now, I recognize how important it is, like Jenna said, to have role models that look like you and being women in professional sports can be very difficult sometimes, very challenging for a variety of reasons. So we'll get into that. I mean, a lot of our reasonings for liking these women are because they were dominant in their sport, but also because of the things that they represented off of the field, off of the track, off of whatever playing arena. One of the very early role models and women that I looked up to was actually Missy Franklin. And so when I was growing up, I, I was really into swimming. I was a big swimmer. I thought that that was something I would do for much longer than I ended up doing just because I started running. But I remember I was nine years old and she was making her Olympic debut in 2012. And I remember her only being 17 at that time. And I was nine and just in awe of (laughs) a 17 year old going to the Olympics and representing the U.S. at such a huge stage. I remember just thinking, like, I want to do that. I want to be like that. That's crazy. Like, 17, you're not even out of high school. You're not in college yet. To me, at nine years old, I really vividly remember that. And she ended up going on to win five medals during her debut, which is, I think, pretty cool. That's pretty difficult to do. Like, not only was she there at 17, but she was also insanely competitive at the Olympics so that's awesome (laughs) and then I also really like afterwards even though she went to the Olympics she actually didn't become technically a professional athlete after that she went to college and got her degree and she refused all the sponsorships that were offered to her because she wanted to compete on Berkeley's team and I thought that was really cool just showing education is very valuable to her and that she 
could have taken the professional athlete route, but then didn't and was able to win NCAAs and contribute to her team and that legacy. So I thought that was really cool as well. Kind of jumping off that point, particularly about Berkeley, that's obviously a fantastic school. It's not like she's going anywhere. That's a very academically rigorous school. And I think her decision to do that, I don't know exactly what her reasoning was, but I think maybe speaks a little bit to the point of professional athletics for women not always being as financially viable for someone like Michael Phelps. You know, Michael Phelps never had to go to college. And you're saying, you know, she turned down sponsorships and stuff, which is true, but I'm sure it was nowhere going to be nowhere near whatever Michael Phelps could make for women. It's just so much harder to do that. So I really admire her being able to compete professionally at literally at the highest level, at the national level, on the biggest stage at such a young age. And then also kind of having the maturity and the foresight to be like, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get a degree so that I can do something with my life after swimming is over because it isn't. I mean, obviously we both value academics because we go to Emory. So I think it's always nice for me to see when professional athletes or anybody I look up to, but professional athletes try to prioritize their education along with their athletics and do both at a high level. That's always very, very admirable. So I respect her a lot for that. And she actually ended up retiring in 2018. So fairly young. I don't know. That's pretty crazy to me to retire, first of all, when you're 23. But she's still involved with an ambassador for like the USA Swimming Foundation. She's a spokesperson for Saving Lives is Always in Season. That's a national campaign. So she's still involved with it which I think is really cool and now that she's retired she's kind of doing more of the advocacy work that's related to it so I always like to see that too. Going off of that a little bit as far as advocacy work goes I think one of the biggest inspirations for me when I was younger this is a group of people but the United States women's national soccer team. I've talked about them on multiple podcasts I've definitely brought them up before but it's really honestly very hard to overstate the impact that this team had on me when I was younger like baseline they're one of the most successful teams at the national soccer level just period men and women they have four world cups which is the most on the women's side and Brazil on the men's side has five but you know that's only one more they're pretty much up there with the best they've won four olympic gold medals as well 2012 2008 kind of most recently they're very very successful these women are incredible soccer players they've dominated at the world stage for years the world cup comes around every four years it's very hard to win that back to back and they've done that it's very hard to get gold medals back to back and they've done that to show dominance for essentially you know around a decade or so especially I think with soccer in particular with the men's team not being very good and just coming up short and failing expectations like when I was little I didn't know anyone on the U.S. men's national team. I, I didn't either. No, I, I didn't, only knew about the women's team. And, and I know I said even when I was little, but honestly, it wasn't until the World Cup this year, the men's World Cup, that I even really started paying attention to our men's national team, just because the World Cup got me more into soccer, kind of reignited that love for soccer that I had when I was little. But when I was young, I knew every player on the women's national team, and I knew like where they played, I knew where they were from, I knew what position they were. Like I loved them and idolized all of them. And I still do know most of the players on the national team today. But it's hard to understate how cool it is to watch a group of women from your country dominate at the world's highest stage. And honestly, it made it even more, I don't know, satisfying, inspiring, like knowing that they were 
years better than our men's team. That that also just helped. It's like, okay, women can be the dominant force in a sport in this country. And um, I think they were super, super respected. Everyone knew how crazy good they were, and that was really exciting to see. And, like, they were also influential to me, too, growing up and seeing how powerful they were and just how well-respected they were. Like, that was something that I think women our age benefited from. The work that they do off the field, too. I mean, they've honestly tied it in. I feel like a lot of them, when I was younger, they've kind of tied it into part of who they are. People like Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, fighting for equal pay, for example, bringing in, you know, stuff about LGBTQ rights, especially because there are quite a few members on the team that are part of that community. Stuff for when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling for Black Lives Matter movement, adding that in as well. They just bring a lot of political stuff onto the field too or try to like use their platform to spread messages that they care about which I know that's very controversial some people hate that I don't know I personally don't mind it I think athletes are more than just products out there to perform for you and for you to be entertained by that's a bit of a separate topic but I've just always admired the bravery that it takes out to do that because you know when you're doing that you're going to get a lot of flack and even beside that like (laughs) Alex Morgan she was so influential for me when when I was younger and then also the way that a lot of them, uh, Julie Ertz as well, but Alex Morgan and Julie Ertz, being able to have kids, have a family, and then come back and still be on this national team and still do very well. Super impressive because that's such a unique experience for a woman and something that we've talked about before isn't always supported. So to see them be able to do that, have support, come back, still play at a high level, also super inspiring to me. And I remember when I was around maybe sixth grade or so I got the chance to go watch them they came to Pittsburgh to play I think it was Costa Rica and kind of an exhibition match and that was just like one of the coolest things ever I was over the moon they beat them like 10 nothing it wasn't a great game (laughs) and then one of the girls on the team at the time was actually from Pittsburgh and she scored a goal and I remember just being so excited long story short they built a legacy for themselves basically and I think it's just so 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 impressive and I wish more people would recognize that Yeah, I think they've been influential for different reasons in my life now with, well, I guess a few years ago with the equal pay and everything like that was a big thing. And as someone coming into adulthood, that was reassuring (laughs) to see. And it was nice to see. And I think if I was eight years old, I would not have known about that and would not have cared. So eight year old me loved the fact that they were dominating everything and It was just this really cool, exciting atmosphere. And then now as an adult, I can really appreciate just the advocacy behind them, their fight to make it legitimate. They were doing so well and the men's team, not really. And so a lot of people knew about the women's team and yet they're not accurately compensated for that. And so it's really nice to see them fight for that and get what they deserve. Soccer as a whole has grown so much in the U.S. since I was in sixth grade around that age, since when they were around both men and women's side. And so, and I think they've been a massive part of that. Yeah. And then I think your point about Alex Morgan and Julie Ertz coming back from pregnancy is an interesting one. That's actually one of the things I want to talk about, about Alice and Felix. Alice and Felix is just another beast, to be honest. Like she dominates on the track. She was the first female track and field athlete to win seven Olympic gold medals She's also the most decorated female track athlete with 11 Olympic gold medals in total. She's an amazing sprinter. 
she's also played a really huge role in their relays. She's won four separate gold medals for the four by four relay and an additional two for the four by one relay. So huge impact on the track, big contributions to USA track and field. And just is really fun to watch compete. The main reason I really look up to her and her name is obviously circulated for years. Like I, I grew up like knowing about her, but in the last five years or so, she's made headlines for more than just running. And these are more of the key parts to me. She's been advocating a lot for social issues and movements. She ended up reducing her racing schedule, I believe in 2018, and then became pregnant. After that, what happened was that she developed preeclampsia, which is really, it's a lot more prevalent in African-American women. And so she had to have an early, I think, emergency C-section. Ended up being okay, but because of that, she actually spoke in front of, I think, the Senate about the black mortality crisis and was really a big advocate for making sure that people of all races and like socioeconomic statuses have the same resources to deal with things like that. So I thought that was really admirable just just because that's something that's a little more unique, I think. She had a really long time sponsorship from Nike, ended up leaving them in 2017. And then in 2018, she wrote an op-ed in the New York Times about Nike refusing to guarantee salary protections for athletes after their pregnancies, which I learned about that pretty recently. Like, didn't really know about that one. Nike could refuse, like, they could reduce pay or even terminate a sponsorship, or I guess a female athlete, and they could call it performance-based. But really, yeah, of course, if you're pregnant, that's going to affect performance. So in reality, it was basically them cutting salary because you're a woman kind of like a discrimination loophole. yeah yes yeah. so I'm actually really surprised about that I kind of want to go down a rabbit hole and see if there was ever a lawsuit about that her letter gained so much traction that Nike ended up changing their policy completely and they promised not to cut salaries using performance-based measures for 18 months and that starts eight months before the baby is due they also said that they won't penalize athletes for not competing because of their pregnancy. And when I say penalize, they specifically said termination. Working that backwards, I was like, oh, they threatened to cut people if they didn't compete because of their health. Like, I thought that was interesting. So to go back to <laughs> Allison Felix, I just think that she's a really important role model off the track. And I know you said, like, some people don't really care about that. Some people are really critical about that. But I think when you have such a platform and you're at such a high level and so many people are listening to you and watching what you're doing, I do think it's really important to stand up for what you believe in and take actions for it too, not just say it. So I really respect that out of her. And to be so vulnerable too. Yeah, that too. None of that is easy to talk about or to discuss. And I mean, you know, she's taking her platform as who she is as a black woman and trying to advocate for causes that have personally impacted her and that she cares about. And like you said, that's something that's really important to me. And I think another thing that I might get the exact details wrong, so I'm going to be a little general about it. But after she left Nike, she left Nike over this contract thing and went to Athleta. 
And she has been working with them to design a footwear line built specifically for women. She actually competes in it now. Yeah, and she yes, created she, her own brand. Yeah. Yes, she created her own brand and these are the ones that she uses. But the whole idea is that it's been well documented that typical shoe lines are built for men. They were designed for men. Women just wear them too. And that has caused much more injury to women than to men because the shoes just simply aren't built for them. And I think a big example of that is ACL tears, for example, which isn't necessarily as prevalent in track, but across other sports, women are much more prone to ACL tears than men. And part of that has to do with the way that shoes are designed. But I really admire her for switching sponsors, first of all. That's very hard to do, to leave literally the biggest athletic brand in the world and switch to a smaller one, but one that you feel represents your values and will support you. And then when she's there, using that sponsorship to build something that not only helps her, but helps all women and reduces that injury, something that's been overlooked for far too long. Very inspirational to be able to do that, to kind of have that business side of who you are. And obviously the athletic performance speaks for itself. So dominant and fun to watch her race. Any athlete that competes on an individual level like that, that's so incredibly impressive to me because it's all you, you're on your own. And to stay that dominant for so long when everybody wants you to lose and it's only up to you is incredibly, shows incredible mental strength. On that note, another athlete who is pretty much, for the most part, all individual based. And again, I respect her very, very much for it. Serena Williams. I'm going to give an explanation. I don't know that this one needs a ton of explanation. I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory why Serena Williams is an inspiration, but she's clearly the best female tennis player. Some will argue she's the best tennis player of all time. $95 million in just prize money, $45 million in endorsements. She's a businesswoman now. She has her own companies. She has an open era record, 23 Grand Slam titles. She won the 23rd of those while pregnant, which is unbelievable that she was able to do that. And she's also had 14 Grand Slam and three Olympic gold medals with Venus, her sister, as her doubles partner, which is also kind of crazy to have 23 individual and then 14 doubles Grand Slam titles. That's absolutely insane. And kind of like we were talking about with Missy Franklin, she started very, very young. She made a professional debut at just 14 years old and is a black woman in a sport largely dominated at the time and still now, but even more so at the time by white people. So that was a whole other dimension of her trying to move through the ranks and be this woman dominating at this level, constantly critiqued about her body being too muscular, too big, people trying to tear her down for things other than her athletic performance and has not really let it phase her. It's similar to the U.S. Women's National Team. It's really, it's just really hard to put into words how amazing it is to watch a woman be kind of the moment be that girl like I mean whenever you do a grand slam tournament obviously the men and the women play at the same time so you can watch all the different matches but they're happening and for her to be kind of the main event a lot of the time is just again it's very very cool because I feel like that's not something like when I played I mean it's high school sports so it's different but when I played basketball in high school we would play a lot of the times before the boys our gym would be completely empty until maybe halftime when people started showing up for the boys game. And then by the time the boys game happens, it's filled. And so I'm used to that to see the reverse can happen or that there can be a woman out there who people want to see just as much as they want to see everybody else is very, very cool to see and very, very inspiring. And again, for her to be able to just be so dominant and win so much 
and to also have that advocacy for herself and kind of never back down from who she is, be confident in when she feels like she's been quote unquote mistreated or needs to speak up for herself about blood clots during her pregnancy. And so when she came back to playing again after having a kid, which is again, crazy, Nike helped her design outfits to wear for the games that had compression that would help her prevent her blood clots because otherwise that could be very, very dangerous. And at the time, I think she received a little bit of kickback about was that even up to code and all this stuff and it's like she's literally doing it so she can survive and play tennis and continue to dominate and again for her to be able to speak up for herself and also feel like this is something Nike can help me out with and make it happen so that this other aspect of who I am as a mother doesn't get in the way of me being able to do this other thing that I love which is my career and being able to balance both of those the fact that she's known worldwide it's like a global name as a woman again on her own not on a team Serena Williams just is Serena Williams. She made herself this brand and is recognized globally. So, so, so amazing. I grew up watching her play and I'm sad that she no longer is playing, but that was very, very formative for me when I was little. On the same topic of being insanely dominant and everyone pretty much knowing about them, that's kind of how Katie Ledecky is for me. I guess because I grew up swimming, I might be a little more in tune with it, but I feel like even if I wasn't, I still think that Ledecky would be really inspirational. It's just crazy how good she is. <laughs> like, it's hard to explain because she actually just dominates. She, like, crushes people. At the moment, off the top of my head, I can only think of, like, one other swimmer that has beaten her recently. But even still, she has seven Olympic gold medals and 21 world championship gold medals, which is the most of any female swimmer because she has 21 world championship medals. She actually surpassed Michael Phelps for total golds at the world championships, not just women also just everybody, which I think is pretty crazy and not super, super talked about. And I think we talked about, I forget what episode in the podcast, but how she dominated and beat, people by like 20 seconds in one of her events and we were saying that if it was Phelps you know this would be everywhere on the news and it it was in some places but also because I am looking in those places to me she's just such a beast like (laughs) it's just crazy to me that she can beat people by that much have that big of a margin and so it's been it really cool to also see her because She also made her Olympic debut in 2012, and she was only 15 at that time, which is even crazier. So That's literally (laughs) insane. Yeah, like you're a freshman in high school. Yeah. My youngest brother is 15, and there's no way he's ready to compete at the Olympics. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just thinking of like the – obviously you need the abilities and the talent, but just thinking about the pressure that comes with that. Yeah, and you just have to really find ways to deal with that cope with the stress of that sport so that's pretty crazy that whole part of just being 15 years old and being in the Olympics is pretty crazy to me and then just her domination like it's just really really impressive to me and it's just really cool to see she's again just a very well respected athlete for her abilities and I wish I wish more people knew about her and then the other part of this that I've mentioned before in a previous episode but she went to Stanford yeah, she did. Yeah. That's crazy too. <laughs> and she and she competed there as well. Another person who decided not to go the professional route and compete for her team. Another example of rigorous academics and while well, swimming at such a high level. 
At a, yeah, Stanford's one of the best swim programs in the country. So yeah. obviously it's no surprise that she would go there. But like I've said before, the amount of dedication to be able to do both is very impressive. And I, I also grew up, I guess, watching Ledecky swim. And you're right, it is unbelievable to be watching that on TV and they just have the camera panned on the pool and it's just her and <laughs> yep. water all yep. around her and there's nobody else. else. And that's that's so cool. It's so cool to watch anybody do that, but it's a young woman, kind of close-ish to my age. I've never did swimming, but that really doesn't matter. It's just so cool to watch somebody dominate like that with ease, I guess. And it's such a young age. And I wish more people kind of gave her that props. Anytime you're doing an individual sport like that, it's so, so impressive. I wish I was as talented at something or half as talented right as she is at, <laughs> at being able to do this and she does really long events too she does she does I, I don't know exactly what the lengths are but the one she does the longer distance ones 800 1500. and 1500 okay the mental fortitude again that it takes to be yeah. able to to lock in and stay f- ahead for that long and kind of block everything out is also super crazy so love katie ledecky big katie ledecky fans over here can't wait to see her dominate in paris in mm-hmm. 2024 So the final one that we have on our roster for today is one of mine. I don't know how many people would remember or know of her, but Monet Davis. So if people don't know who Monet Davis is, she was a really big deal whenever she was kind of at the, I guess, the height of her fame or when she was famous. She was a player on the Center City Philadelphia 2014 Little League team. So... The Little League World Series is a bunch of teams of, I mean, anybody can play, but it really is a bunch of teams of boys baseball competing from different states. It was a really big deal that she was a girl on the team. She pitched for them, and she pitched a shutout game to get them to the Little League World Series in the first place. And then she became the first girl to win a game in the history of the tournament, and she shut out the other team in that game that she won as well. And she's believed to be the only African-American girl ever to compete in the Little League World Series. She was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. She won an ESPY. She has a book out at this point. She was a massive deal and people were hyping her up. And she's much, much closer to my age. She's currently at Columbia right now getting an Ivy League degree, a master's in sports management, which is very, very cool. Um, And so to watch her when I was little, kind of at that time, when you're around, I guess if it was in 2014, you're around 13-ish years old for me. It's kind of in that age where you're like, oh, I when I was little, like I enjoyed playing like baseball and games with my brothers and my cousins who are kind of around my age. But as you get older, the evenness starts to go away and like yeah. you can't keep up anymore. And you know it's coming, but it still kind of sucks a little bit when it happens. And there's just like a point where you can't really keep up with the boys anymore and you go on your own teams and do your own thing. And that's okay. That's fine. But to be able to watch someone around my age, kind of as I'm coming to that realization and kind of trying to figure out, okay, what does this look like for me now to watch her to be able to compete with the boys and again, dominate, like shut out boys that she's pitching against and perform so well. And I don't know how, if she was old enough to really compartmentalize that pressure and understand kind of how cool it was, what she was doing, but to be kind of so calm under pressure and be able to go out there and with all these spotlights on her still perform like that is so, so impressive. And she ended up playing softball at Hampton University, which is a HBCU. And she got a journalism and communications degree there. And then while she was there, she applied for a fellowship 
and won it. So her schooling at Columbia is completely free. So she's just a boss in that academic right too. Even after she did this Little League World Series thing, which doesn't really have any career implications beyond just being a cool thing, she was still able to go and then just make a career for herself and show that she has that drive and that energy. And she's spoken about saying that she wants to get this sports management degree and eventually be part of an ownership of a women's sports team and kind of grow them and grow women's sports and do all of that. So she has these big entrepreneurial dreams of how she wants to grow women's sports. I kind of forgot about her until last year when I wrote an article for The Wheel that kind of talked about the phrase throw like a girl and how girls are constantly put down for the way they compete just because they aren't as fast, strong, whatever, as the boys when they shouldn't be expected to be. That's a whole other topic. Go read the article if you <laughs> if you want to hear more yeah, about that. But I forgot about her until I started writing that article. And so to see her kind of kind of check back in on her now for this episode and also for that article and to see how far she's gone and what she wants to accomplish and the dream she has for herself is very full circle for me and very inspiring for me when I was little. I was like, I want to be like Monet Davis. I can do anything a boy can do, whether that's in athletics or not. She was just as young as me at that time. She was just 13 or 14, but she left a big impact on me. I just will always respect her and appreciate her for that. For this week's Fun Friday, Claire is going to be quizzing me on some random statistics about anything to do with sports <laughs> yeah. so she'll explain kind of how it's going but yeah please play along at home I've prepared a little over under quiz for Jenna which if you don't know what over under is it's very self-explanatory I'm gonna give a stat give a number and then Jenna slash everybody at home has to guess whether the actual number is over or under the number I've given the kind of general theme of this quiz is 2023 So I've just kind of picked some big events or records or just stats from the past year from sports figures that have been kind of influential from a variety of sports and pick some of the big figures from that. And we're going to tell a little story of the year in sports and then also see how much, you know, general knowledge about this year Jenna has retained or if she knows it all. (laughs) I know this is going to expose my uh, <laughs> limited knowledge. Sure. Of some of it you might be able to things. kind of, yeah. I, some of it you're definitely not going to know for sure, but some of it you might be able to think about. So hopefully this is fun for you guys to listen to too as well and kind of think over and reason through. But the first one, kind of every year Forbes does a little tallying, I guess, of athletes' net worth, especially the very, very expensive ones. And so – Pick Tiger Woods for this one just because he's been out of the golf world for a while, but also been in the news recently. He turned down a big deal from LIV Golf last year for, I think it was literally like close to a billion dollars he turned down to not play for LIV Golf. But long story short, very, very rich man, especially though his career, his best playing days are long behind him. Is his net worth at the beginning of this year, was it valued over or under $900 million? That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. 900 million. I have no reference point for this <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> well, so. <laughs> um, in terms of other golfers, you mean? or Yeah. I'm going to say, oh, oh gosh, I really don't know. I know. It's so conflicting. Well, you don't need to think too hard about it. You also well, have a 50% trying. chance of getting it yeah. right. but Okay. 
I'm going to say under. <laughs> I'm trying to explain why I'm thinking under. I really don't have an explanation. That's okay. I'm not expecting you to do an economic breakdown right. of like where his net worth <laughs> comes from. I just think that $900 million is a lot. Like, well, I'm yeah. just thinking when people hit a billion, like that's usually a huge deal. Sure. And that doesn't happen very often. So True. that was just, I feel like that's just crazy. But also in my head, I'm like, well, he has been in the game for a very long time and has had a lot of sponsorships. So... I'm just going to say under, but I don't yeah. really know. <laughs> it's over. Oh, He was valued at $1.1 billion. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot of money. So yeah, props to Tiger, because that's very, yeah. very cool. Built, again, built off of his own brand, off his own name. So good for him. Second question. So throwing back, obviously, the World Cup happened this year, which it really wasn't supposed to. It kind of got off track. Usually it's held in the summer. But they switched it to the winter because FIFA sold out to Qatar and agreed to let them host the World Cup. And it's way too hot to do it there in the summer. So they switched it to the winter. So that was an interesting decision, one that was being criticized. The U.S. men's national team qualified this year for the World Cup, which they did not do last time around. And they had a very, very young squad this year. They were actually the second youngest squad at the World Cup. So my question is, was their average age over or under 26 years old? I feel like... Well, no, this is just going to be embarrassing. It's wrong. But I, I'm going to say under because I feel like I remember hearing people talk about how young their team was. Like there was a ton of yeah. young kids. I feel like I heard this, that they were a lot younger than that. So under. So they weren't a lot younger. They It is under. They aren't 25? a lot younger. 25 years, 214 days. Oh, well, not a lot. Younger. And I think uh, this is across the whole squad. I'm pretty sure if I did the starting lineup, it might actually be a little bit even younger than that. But long story short, they were the second youngest squad at the World Cup, which bodes good news for next time yeah, it comes promising. around. Yes. And a lot of a lot of the stars of the team, like Christian Pulisic, Weston McKenney, Timothy Weah, Eunice Musa, Gio Reyna, like these are kind of the big stars of the team. They're under 25 years old, or at the time they were under 25 years old. So, so the best players on the team are actually skewing that age downward. I think the youngest team was actually Mexico, kind of randomly. Oh, interesting. Hopefully good things to come in store for the men's national team at next World Cup. Next one. So this one is actually very, very recent. The Berlin Marathon, the women's marathon record was just set September 24th of this year. Was the record... Over or under two hours and 13 minutes? You would think as a runner, I would know a lot about running, and I know close to nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to, the only thing I know is the men's record. Mm -hmm. And so that's usually around like a 4.30 pace. And so I'm trying to think, I'm trying to do a little bit of math here, and it's not really working in my head about how fast you'd have to be running. Well, before. I guess Elliot Kipchoge so, was just under two hours, right? right? Yeah. So, so he is, ran, yeah. yeah, like 4.30. And then I was like, okay, well, you add, what, like 30 seconds? And I'm trying to decide if that's doable or not. <laughs> 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 Which I feel like it is. I'm going to say under. I think it's really close, but I think under. Well, it is really close because I set these thresholds. It is under. It's two hours and 11 minutes and some seconds, but okay. I didn't include that because yeah. the general idea was two hours, 11 minutes, which is crazy. Good for her. One of my favorite Super Bowl halftime shows ever, Rihanna, performed at the Super Bowl this year while pregnant. Nobody knew that at the time. It was ended up being her big pregnancy announcement, which is absolutely insane considering she was lifted above the field 
hundreds of feet in the air on these platforms and handled it like a boss and did amazing. I've rewatched it since then, but it was actually the most watched halftime show in Super Bowl history. And how many views did it have? Was it over or under 104 million? My gut is saying over because it was the most watched and that's it. Okay. <laughs> you would be correct. It is a good bit over. I kind of yeah. set that threshold a little low. 118.7 million okay. is the number of viewers for her. She was just above Katy Perry, who came in at 118.5 million. Oh, and close. I don't remember the numbers for the other people, but Lady Gaga, Jennifer Lopez, and Shakira were up there as well. Lots of female artists ranked in the top spots for the most watched Super Bowl halftime performances. We got Usher this year. It's a decision. You're, you're not here for it? <sighs> I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm just I'm just not thrilled. Okay. We'll see. I'm sure he'll be good. I think he has a nice voice, but <laughs> it's not I was I was let's just say there were some other names being thrown around that I was more excited about. So That's fair. That's understandable. This year, University of Georgia beat TCU in the college football championship game. They absolutely blew them out if you guys don't remember it. I watched it. It was really not even a game. It was low key kind of boring. It's led by like 45 year old Stetson Bennett at quarterback. <laughs> 45. That's how it feels. He's been around. He was literally, so he's, forever. he was literally 25 whenever he was playing that I game. He was 26. I think he's 26 now. I okay. think he was 25 okay. at the time, but either way, too old, too old to be playing college too football. Too old. How many points did TCU score against UGA across that whole game? Was it over or under 10? Pretty sure it was under. I'm pretty sure they only scored a singular touchdown the entire game. You would be absolutely yes, correct. They I was like, they points. got smacked during they that game. They got smacked, yeah. They had one touchdown, seven points, which and, is so unfortunate. Yeah, and usually I don't follow college football at all, but I remember it just being like a really big deal that TCU was playing them, and then it was the most disappointing game you could possibly watch. Literally. <laughs> it was so bad. Next up. This one isn't really like a major record or milestone event, but uh, Shohei Otani has been obviously kind of one of the faces of the MLB recently, but especially this past year, even though he got injured, he is such a dual threat with the pitching and the hitting numbers that he could put up. It's been a long time, I think, since there's been somebody in MLB who can do what he does, and so it's so fun to watch. Is his batting average over or under 301 for the 2023 season? 301 is pretty impressive. Exactly. I also know he's been have well, before he got injured, he was having a season. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say over. You'd be correct. And I set the threshold very close on this one. It was 304. Okay. Yeah. So it I, wasn't had a feeling, that I had a feeling it was but... close because I was like, if you, I don't think he could be much higher than that. They're usually not. But I knew he was doing very well. Yeah. So very, very, very impressive. I mean, yeah. Just even as a, hitter to be hitting 300 is pretty commendable and then to be pitching the way he is too like yeah exactly it's just it's crazy unfair all right so this one is just one that I designed on my own self because as I was doing this and trying to create a broad array across all the sports I had this realization that this would be a fun question so how many teams in the four major sports leagues in the U.S. MLB NBA NFL NHL won their organization's first championship title in 2023 was it more or less than two okay well i know the knights just won so that's at least one 
And then, oh, let's see. Okay, NFL is out. That was Chiefs. They've won multiple. NBA, that was the Nuggets, right? Yes. And then MLB was the Texas Rangers. The issue is that I don't know <laughs> if the Rangers or the Nuggets have won before. The issue is I don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah, the issue is I don't know the history of all of the teams that have ever existed. So I'm going to say under. It is over. Oh. Vegas Golden Knights, Texas Rangers, and Denver Nuggets all won their organization's first championship in the past okay. calendar year, which is really, really I'm, cool. I'm honestly surprised I like didn't see that anywhere i don't i don't know i feel like maybe because it was their first champ well i guess i guess the nba finals were i wasn't that one like super underwhelming to people like yeah they were just like, like who cares about I think these it was, teams yeah it was like f i think even the series was 4-1 or like okay yeah four so, two like they just kind of blown out that, so. i guess that's probably why because i i'm just surprised that i didn't hear that because i feel like that is big sports news but I guess that one was really underwhelming. So that makes sense. And then for some reason, I just didn't follow the World Series. So I guess that's on me. <laughs> that's actually why I thought of this question, because I knew that Texas won their I'd saw, seen on ESPN that Texas had won their first one. I was like, wait, I think Vegas won their first one. And I was like, wait, yeah, did Denver right. win their first one? And then I was like, OK, Simone Biles, we've talked about her a lot on this podcast she is definitely inspiring to both of us, even though we didn't mention her at the beginning of this episode. This year, she made her return to competitive gymnastics at the World Championships, and she won gold in the gymnastics were held at Antwerp this year. Gold in multiple events, but in the all-around. She did the exact same thing at her professional debut in her first World Championships in well, I'm not going to say when they were, but she did the exact same thing. She won in gold in Antwerp at her first professional championships, and she won gold in Antwerp this year in her return to professional gymnastics after taking a, a hiatus for her mental health. So my question is, was she over or under 17 years old at that first world championship in Antwerp? My guess is under, just because I feel like gymnasts are usually pretty young when they start competing professionally. We didn't end up talking about them today, but the Fab Five, I remember, were all between, like, what, 15 and 18. Mm -hmm. So that makes me think under. It is under, but actually not by much. She was 16. Okay. So that's a little surprising to me because, right, I would have expected her to be maybe 14 or 15. Yeah, but, that's what I was thinking, like 14. But it is a very cool story that, again, she won gold in the same place in 2013. That was the year. And now in 2023, that's just a very cool full circle moment for her after coming back to make a professional return this year. So very, very cool. So F1. <laughs> I know people maybe not don't always like us talking about F1, but it's been on our minds a lot recently. And just the way this season is going, if you guys know who Max Verstappen is, he's absolutely dominating F1 this season for Red Bull. And he is Dutch. He's from the Netherlands. So I have a little question about a record set at the Dutch Grand Prix this year. Number of overtakes in a single lap. Was it over or under 48? That's 48 would be a lot in one lap. There's 20 cars. <laughs> there are. So that would be I'm thinking oh, another conflicting one. I'm going to go with under. Okay. But not by much. So I will say the gap from the 
threshold I set to the actual is pretty big on this one. Oh, really? Okay, under. It's also <laughs> over. Ah, no. 63. 63? 63. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Three overtakes per car, at least. That's yep. crazy. I don't know what happened, what was going on at the Dutch Grand Prix this year, because I didn't get to watch that, but according to Wikipedia, that's the record for most overtakes in a single lap. Katie Ledecky, we've talked about, she had put on a great performance at the World Aquatic Championships this year, leads for most gold medals. So this is a question specifically not about that, but about on day seven of that, she did the 800-meter freestyle and did the sixth fastest time in history, but that's not necessarily the question. The question is, for that event, how many of the fastest times in history does Katie Ledecky hold in the 800-meter freestyle? Is it over or under 32? Oh, I literally just looked at this too, and I can't remember what it said. It was pretty high. I know that. Under. It is under. It's 29, mm-hmm. which is still a lot. Yeah. Still very impressive. So, did you have fun with that? <laughs> <laughs> you actually did pretty good. I did have fun with that. <laughs> I know. Um, that was, I was kind of worried about that one. To be honest, I was like, wow, I'm going to look like a fool. No. Sound like a fool. No, but you did good. It was okay. Not bad. Not you bad. You looked like a little bit of a fool with the Tiger Woods one. But like after that, we were rocking and rolling. Okay. Well, I just thought I would have known if you became a billionaire. <laughs> it's kind of big news. <laughs> True. The fact that my Instagram told me that like Kylie Jenner became a billionaire True. and it didn't tell me that Tiger Woods is a billionaire is like concerning. Ir- it's irritating. Yeah. And surprising. That's fair. So completely understandable, but, but hopefully yes, that was a nice I little like it. hopefully that was a nice little like story of twenty twenty three through quiz <laughs> questions. You know, getting people to reflect on the biggest athletes and sporting events from this past year. So I love doing little quizzes like that. Thank you for listening to the sixth episode of the Athlete and the NARP. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of influential female athletes and their impact on us in our lives, as well as our fun Friday where Claire quizzed me on the 2023 sports statistic. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the athlete and the NARP. You can contact us by email at the athlete and the NARP at gmail.com with content suggestions, clarifications, or questions. Until next time, I'm Claire Fenton. And I'm Jenna Daly. And this has been the, the athlete, athlete and the NARP. NARP.